This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at the cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the cooperators. You are listening to the Advisor Network Podcast, where your fellow advisors share tips, stories, and lessons learned. I received a call a few weeks ago from DM David Aegis. He'd been approached by one of his A1Ts, who expressed an interest in doing a podcast to share his perspective as a trainee. That T was Jeff Welsh, who runs an agency in Waterdown, Ontario. Jeff shared a number of insights of value to both new and experienced advisors. Jeff, I don't think we get a lot of new advisors whose background is in the steel industry. What attracted you to the cooperators? Um, it's actually a funny story. I, I knew a lot of people that worked for the cooperators and I really liked the culture. And so, quite frankly, I was more attracted to the cooperators than I was to necessarily the insurance or the financial services business. You don't have uh, an insurance background or experience. So how do you ensure you can be successful in, in this business? What, what's, what's kind of the key? There is some parallels to the steel business. When I, I, I came from the steel industry, the, you know, the product's pretty generic. You know, the pricing's relatively the same. You know, some's a little high, some's a little low, but it ultimately it becomes down to a, a relationship business. So, you know, which is very similar to, you know, our, our business. Once you've figured out what a client wants and you're able to present solutions to the client's issues or problems, then it comes down to that client's making a decision to trust you or not. It wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't call it an easy segue into the insurance business, but um, there was some definite um, uh, skill sets that transferred into the insurance business for sure. Um, as far as the technical side, it really was just studying and leaning on people, <laughs> leaning on the people I knew in the business. You know, I, I had a mentor of mine tell me many, many years ago that you don't need to know the answer. You just need to know where to find the answer. And that that certainly is, has held true um, during my, my first few years here at the cooperators. So many advisors struggle with hiring staff, and I think they tend to look, you know, for ex-bank employees or, or people who have worked in other, other insurance-related businesses. So is it practical to go outside of that? And if so, what are the skills and the, the traits that will most likely transfer? Um, yeah, I feel like people look for the kind of the instant plug and play kind of uh, employee. And those are great if you can find them. I find in any industry, this was true in the steel business as well. But those plug and play people, you know, they're extremely expensive. They're cost prohibitive if you're potentially for your business. You know, as far as the skills, yeah, I think there's a lot of skills that transfer into this business. The reality is, is the products that we're selling, you know, I hate to use the word generic, but relative to our competition, the products are generic. We're all selling, you know, the same thing. It, you know, re relatively speaking. And so what it comes down to is, is how the cooperator services our clients and how we service them and how we build trust. So if you're a people person and you're able to spark conversations with people that you may not know, if you're uh, at a restaurant and your service provider, your bartender, your whatever, whoever it may be, if they are, if they're able to talk to you and make you feel comfortable, though, th that, that's something that easily translates into our business. It's a business of building trust 
And if you can do that, uh, you know, your knowledge of the uh, financial markets or your knowledge of life insurance, you can get all that detail. Um, the reality is, is you, if you're a people person and you're a go getter and you're a, you're you're somebody that is driven, you know, you, you'll be very successful in this business. So you joined in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, you already had your license uh, and then you jumped in immediately into more training with a coach. So how did you manage your time with that amount of, uh, of commitment? Yeah, managing your time, which I'm not the greatest at, is uh, it's a difficult thing in your first year, certainly. They always say that, you know, they use analogies like you're drinking from a fire hose and things of that nature when you're in your first year. And it is hard. What I will say is that coming to the cooperators, I don't know that I've ever seen the level of support um, for, you know, the trainees, those people that they're trying to develop into the into a long term advisor uh, with the company. I don't know that I've ever seen the level of support that you get here. When I first started in the steel business, it was many, many moons ago, you know, they sat me down at an old steel desk and put a phone on my desk and, a, uh, you know, the old Dun & Brad uh, numbers list for companies. And they just said, go get a sale. <laughs> um, there wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of support. So certainly the company, um, the cooperators provides between sales coaches and specialists and the district team, you know, there's more than enough help. And, and quite frankly, I feel like, you know, time management is always going to be an issue for you. I feel I mean, the, the seasoned advisor would probably say the same thing. You know, um, it's always going to be a something that you have to um, get a ring fence around, you know, as far as your time. For me, it was I certainly embraced my staff. That was the biggest part of my success, frankly, in year one. Most of us inherit staff as trainees and, uh, you know, hopefully you inherit good ones. And most of them are, I find. I certainly went in and sat down with them, told them that I, I, what I didn't know and what I knew and engaged them in the process. And that certainly helps as you get into those moments where you don't have enough time and you're able to lean on them. If somebody said to me, you know, give me the, you know, the single most important thing you did in year one. I would likely say that that's it. Sitting down with the staff and and being uh, upfront and and telling them I didn't have any industry experience. I didn't I didn't know the ins and outs at all. So being upfront with them and leaning on them and then indicating that hey look I'm open to any and all ideas to be successful here. Um, that really engaged them and that was a, a real benefit to me in year one. To the point where I was rookie of the year, year one. It was really my staff. I mean, I, like it was nice to get the award, but it's really their award, quite frankly. Your DM, David Ages, told me that as a starting point, he recommends that all T's start by reaching out to family members and ensuring they're properly covered. Uh, did that work for you? And was that a good strategy? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's the low hanging fruit. Right. Your family, uh, your family typically wants you to succeed. Now, in my case, uh, my wife uh, is an employee of the cooperators as well. So she was well covered <laughs> already. But certainly, um, you know, I had an, uh, an experience with my brother. I kind of went after him for a long time. He's a he lived a very modest life and, you know, didn't want for much, but, you know, didn't have a lot of disposable income at, on hand. And um, so I was kind of after him and, and I was really after him because it was like, oh, I need to write a policy. You know, it was like that's year one. You're kind of like, oh, God, I need you know, I need policy count or, you know, things of that nature. And so I was really I really kind of just said to him, listen, like I, I want to cover you. But 
in that moment, I was like, I just need the business, you know? And, um, um, he wrote a policy. It was to cover his mortgage, you know, it was a, a relatively small policy. And I think he wrote it because he just wanted to get rid of me, you know, like leave me alone. And eight months later, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. And a year later, he, he had passed away. Um, so I literally saw what that money and will see what that money will do for his kids and for his wife. You know, a lot of times we drop off benefit checks. You know, you drop off the check and you sit down and talk about how to make that money last and investing it. And, and we're always looking out for the best interest of the clients. But to see, to be able to touch and feel the real benefits of that money and be able to utilize that to help clients and future clients down the road has just been invaluable. My brother's gone, but it certainly is, it's a real um, eye-opener to the benefits of what we do. The money, in my brother's case, that money's literally saved his family's life. Anytime an advisor delivers a check, it's going to be a, an emotional experience. I can't imagine how difficult that would be when it's a family member. Everybody says, you know, know your why. You know, if you're doing it for the money, like that, that's not going to keep your energy going long term. And for me, obviously, it was a negative uh, experience uh, losing my brother. But now, you know, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I intimately know the benefits of, of, the, of what we do every day as advisors, for sure. So when you move beyond family, how did you decide which clients you would target uh, and, and what kinds of activities did you find yourself doing to increase the number of, uh, of prospects? The standard answer is I marketed on social media and I got involved in um, the local BNI and and I did all those things, all those standard things. The, the biggest key to my success or any successes that I've had is I've I've asked for referrals from those people. So it really is kind of a snowball that rolls downhill. You start with your family and you start with your friends and then maybe your friends, your friend owns a business that deals with another business and then you get to meet that person and it's kind of a, it's a warm call. It's not a cold call because you can say, Hey, I know, you know, I know Tim and you know, you do business with Tim. That, that really is, is kind of the, has been the biggest key for me. I've been fortunate enough to have people in my life that want to see me succeed, but I also have been able to ask for referrals and be able to grow uh, my network um, doing that. But I am doing all those other standard things. I'm, I'm on social media and I'm, I'm involved in the community and, you know, we, we sponsor Ribfest here in Waterdown and we, you know, we do all of those standard things, but there is a time crunch with being a, a trainee, right? You, you, you need to, meet certain levels of production. And so the quickest way for me to be able to, to do those things has been the referrals from, you know, from my close network, the nucleus. Yeah. How do you manage uh, daily distractions and kind of focus on what you need to, to grow your business? At the end of the day, you got to block off the time. And whether that means you got to, you know, spend you know, a half a day every week at home because you got to be able to shut a door and, and not hear the office phone going off. And, you know, right now that's a little easier with the pandemic to be at home, but we're all at home. Uh, or maybe in this, in this year, you needed to come into the office to, you know, avoid distractions, but you gotta, you gotta block the time and you have to really stick to it. It's easy to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Block the time. Um, but then things happen, right? Clients call, 
you know, I got to get this done before, you know, before I go to the next meeting or whatever. And you, the easiest thing to, to cross off your calendar is your call night, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you really just need to be diligent, block off the time and your calendar is the Bible and you need to follow it. So being a brand new advisor is probably at a minimum intimidating and and often downright scary. So did you have any fear or second thoughts? Before coming into the business, I just thought it was, you know, you know, Mexico in the spring and Morocco in the <laughs> June, you know, like that's how everyone lived. Right. Um, so when you get into this role and you really are drinking from the fire hose and there's a ton of stuff coming at you and you're, you're wondering whether you can make it. I certainly had a lot of moments where I was wondering, why did I choose this path? You know, and I, f- I feel like that's normal. I feel, you know, I, I feel like we all need to give ourselves a little break. And certainly as advisors, we're all type A personalities. We're all driven. We want to be successful. We want to be the top on the sales report and all the things of that nature. But, you know, we need to you know, not be so hard on ourselves. I feel like that dealt with a bit of the fear for me. And quite frankly, the fear drove me. I had developed, I had developed relationships within the cooperators and the fear of letting those people down and all those things. It gets you up early in the morning and it keeps you going (laughs) late at night. So a good healthy amount of fear is good. And I think if you, if you weren't afraid, if you weren't a little nervous, you know, then something's wrong. One of the advantages of being a new advisor and new to the industry is you, you have no biases or kind of preconceived notions. So in terms of some of the tools we have, are there any that really stick out in your mind as being particularly useful or helpful? Well, first and foremost, the amount of help and resource, like human resource we have, uh, you know, we've got between the SLCs and, you know, the specialists and the, as trainees, you get the sales coach and you've got uh, your, the district team, but even advisors, we've got a, you know, I don't know how many years combined we would, we would have in Ontario for uh, years of service, but we, you've got some advisors out there that have, you know, decades worth of, of knowledge in this business. And, you know, certainly me coming from an environment with no, with no insurance background, you know, I didn't come from claims or I didn't, I didn't start as an associate. Being able to feel free to lean on the experienced advisors and the district team has been invaluable. I would say that's, you know, for any trainee out there, if you're feeling lost or you're feeling like you're under it, uh, I mean, you can certainly call me too, but 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 ultimately, there's so many advisors out here that are more than willing to tell you their story and help you and and spend time with you. You know, this is a it's a highly competitive business, but for whatever reason, the culture here at the cooperators, you know, call them SR4s or call them whatever seasoned advisors. They they're more than willing to help you. I would say leaning on them has been a huge help. Yeah, it really is a community. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I said earlier that I I feel like I. I was attracted to the cooperators culture more so than just being attracted to being in the finance world or being in, 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 in the financial services business from coming from another industry and having worked in a few different companies, I've seen some really bad cultures out there. And I know that this business is hard and we don't always like the decisions that the company makes relative to and how that affects how that affects our businesses and how that affects our day to day. But the culture here, that culture of um, of community and that that family culture, it really is something that's not common. One. 
And two, it's something that we need to uh, not only appreciate, but we need to um, handle with kid gloves. We need to take care of it because if, if, if we don't, then we're just, we're just another insurance provider, you know? Exactly. So Jeff, I'm going to take you back to that kind of day one. Uh, What is something you know now that you wish you'd known day one? We need to do another podcast (laughs) to get all, no, um, there's a, there's a few things. um, And I talked to a few other um, trainees, you know, that I've been able to develop some relationships with. And one is actually don't stop. You know, in my situation, I was able to have some early success and I, I took a bit of a victory lap. You know, I was uh, I started celebrating, you know, before the goal line kind of thing. And um, it's kind of the laws of inertia, right? Like it's harder to get things started from a dead stop than it is to just kind of keep things moving. Um, so I would say had somebody said to me, hey, you don't have to keep your pedal, you know, the, the accelerator down to the floorboard all the time, but just don't don't stop, like always keep some momentum going because, you know, my second year wasn't as good as my first year. And and that was probably the big reason. Another thing that, uh, that I would say, I wish I knew is don't chase the nose. We're all type A personalities. We're all driven. We all want to be successful. So we all want to close that guy, right? We always, we all, we all, we all want to close that client. That's like the tough nut. And I find that, you know, you can waste a lot of time you know, people are generally polite and they don't come right out and say, nope, I'm not doing it. They say, I, I need to move our meeting out till next year or I need to, I'll, oh yeah, I'll review that paperwork. And staying on that path, you can waste a lot of time where there's likely more yeses out there and there's better use of that time. Now I know I'm going to get an email or I'm going to get a Teams message from somebody that says, you know, oh, I worked on a guy for four years and I finally closed him. I get it. Uh, but just as a general rule, I've, I've wasted a lot of time on, on people that probably were never going to do business with me. And I would say, you know what? I wish people would have, you know, had, had somebody said to me, hey, be patient. And I know it's hard to be patient as a T. You know, it's hard to play the long game as a, as a trainee, because you have this kind of two year window or this four year window where you're like, you have to get things done, but we, you really need to play the long game as far as your, some of your decision-making, you know, I would say your day to day needs to be busy. Like your day to day needs to be the short game. I need to get certain things done between during business hours. Um, but when you're making decisions about your business, you really need to play the long game. I feel like I make better decisions when I think about what the consequence of that decision is, what that what the consequence of that decision is going to be five years from now, as opposed to what's that going to look like on a sales report at the end of the month. You tend to make the right decisions when you're thinking long term. So I would say those are probably the three things, you know, don't stop, keep your momentum, don't chase the nose and, and just have some patience. It's like it'll come. So, Jeff, you're two years in, Rookie of the Year, and it looks like uh, EB is going to happen this year. How do you top that? You know, I think I think the real true success in this business, the people that are truly successful are um, they have longevity. And and I so I feel like, the you know, topping that would be, you know, to have a consistent level of success over an extended period of time. So whether that's five, 10, you know, 20 years from now, you know, I would say that's that's the true measure of success in this business, which is, which goes to what I was saying about being patient. You really have to like, think about where you're going to take your business in the next five to 10 years, not what the end of the year is going to look like. And I know that can be hard as a trainee. 
being a trainee is not easy. That's the reason why I wanted to do this is because it's a, it's a different world and, and this is not an easy business and it's not meant for everybody. And, uh, you know, the fact that you're in it and you're grinding it out and you're grinding it out in the midst of a pandemic, um, you know, I can, I know the trials that I had year one, the fact that the, the first year trainee that where their first year is 2020 and you're, you, you're dealing with all the issues that you, that you have as a first year trainee and you're adding, you know, having to shut down your office and, and not knowing what the next day is going to bring as far as, you know, a, a virus that's taken over the world. I can't even imagine like all the first year trainees this year need a standing ovation. <laughs> they really do. It's, 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 uh, you know, I can't imagine. For more tips, insights, and stories from your fellow advisors, please subscribe to the Advisor Network podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future podcasts, or just need someone to walk you through how to subscribe, contact me at brad underscore scott at cooperators.ca. So you went from steel to insurance. If you could do anything, what would it be? Right now, I feel like I, if I could just take a vacation, <laughs> I, that would be great. You know, if I could just get on a plane and go somewhere, I would do that in a heartbeat.